like I say it every year, but I got to say it again. I love a good church beat. Like, that is just nice. That worship was awesome. Then you get a sweet beat like that. My name is Brennan. I am your college and young adult pastor here at Grace Point. And I want to tell you, I am just so glad you are here. That I said it this morning if you were here, but I'll say it again. I wait three months with this date circled on my calendar, just doing three months worth of work for today. I mean, I, I cannot stress to you enough how excited I am that we are back, that Oasis is back, and that we get to do what we get to do. And I'm so excited to see what God does throughout the year. And we are diving right in. We are in our brand new series this fall, and it's going to run the next four weeks. But you just saw it. It's called Secrets of the Kingdom. And really, that's a fancy title because, come on, we're kind of posh like that every once in a while. But under the surface is we're going to study four parables over the next month. And in each one of these stories Jesus tells, he reveals to us a piece of what his kingdom is like. And as we study these, we're going to understand what it means for the kingdom of God to come and for us to live at hand in that kingdom. And so tonight, we're going to open up to Mark 4. So if you have a Bible, you can flip there. But if you're new to Oasis, you kind of got to get used to this thing I do. And it's these random stories that oftentimes are kind of wild. So here's the thing. The parable we're about to read is called the parable of the sower. Otherwise, some people might call it the parable of the farmer. And if you're looking at me, I t- feel free. You know already... I don't know a thing about farming. Like, there is no agricultural bone in this body. Not only do I know nothing about farming, but I also know pretty much nothing about plants, period. I am, I kill like everything I touch that's, that's green. So, this last year, my wife and I, we bought a house. Oh, this guy's talking about his house again. Yeah, I am. Because some pastors, some, some pastors have kids and they tell cute stories about their kids. Well, my house is my baby. And so you have to listen to me tell stories about my house. So about a year ago, I bought this house. And when we bought it, there wasn't like a ton of landscaping on it. And so this last summer, we had to landscape. And I figured coming back, you guys were really worried about what I was doing over the summer. And so I showed you some pictures. He's out. Will you put up that first one? We're still working out a couple of the kinks. Perfect. That looks great. So these, if you're a plant person, those are hostas, they tell me. And they look pretty good, right? Yes, thank you. They look pretty good. Okay, I lied. I did not plant those. Those were there when we bought the house. Show us the next picture. Those I planted. Anybody? Black-eyed Susans, I guess. I only know that because I read the tag. And I will be the first person to stand up here and tell you again, I know nothing about plants. But I planted that, yo. Like, that looks pretty good. But in humility, flip to the next one. I also planted that. Um... To this day, I took this two weeks ago, it's gotten worse. Uh, I don't know what that's called and I don't know how I killed it, but it's dead now. Show them the next one. I planted that tree, yo. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I picked up that tree, I picked it out, I told the guy, give me a tree. I had no idea what he was giving me, but I got this tree, it's a... It's a birch, he tells me, and I dug the hole and I put it in the ground, and so far I haven't killed it, but I do have a second tree in my front yard, and so show them this last one. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. I just keep dumping water on it and the bottom half is doing great. The bottom half is living the summer life. The top half, we're going to work on that next year. But I did some landscaping and over the summer, I found myself acting more and more like a toddler because when it comes to plants, I'm like a toddler that I know pretty much nothing, right? I don't know what I'm doing, 
but I'm also like a toddler that I do a whole lot of whining and complaining while I do it. Like if you've spent some time with toddlers, you know what I'm talking about. But I'm also like a toddler when it comes to landscaping because I constantly ask the world's most annoying question, why? Why, why, why? Why do some of those plants live, flourish? I did nothing different there and others die. Why do some need sun and some need shade? Why do some need water every day and some water every month? I don't get it. When I plant things, I sit back and I ask myself, why? Why did I put myself in this scenario? And that's the question in a weird Jesus juke that Jesus is going to ask us in this parable today. Why? When we open up the parable of the sower, Jesus is asking us the question and giving us the answer, why? The question more specifically that he's asking is why do some people receive Christ and the transformation he brings while others don't? Really, like, have you sat back and wrestled with that? Why do some receive Christ? They're changed by him. Their life looks radically different because they know who Jesus is, but other people who maybe have the same opportunity for the gospel just keep strolling on. As I wrestled with that, I I hoped and I prayed that tonight most of us in the room would be Christians. And what I mean by that is it's not just a pithy statement you introduce yourself as, but rather as a Christian, what we hope you cling to is that you believe in Jesus and he is changing your life. But I also prayed tonight that there would maybe be some non-Christians in the room. And I get it. Maybe like you're just checking it out. Maybe someone forced a mug in your hand today at Seafair. Maybe you got dragged here by a significant other. We all been there, right? Like there may be some non-Christians in the room and It's those people I want to talk to for a second. Because I'm trying to understand exactly why. Like, why haven't you put your faith in Jesus yet? And for some of you, I I truly believe, maybe it's just because you haven't heard yet, that you don't know who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And so I want to give it to you plain, straight off, right off the bat, that Jesus is the son of God, that he lived the perfect life, completely sinless, totally perfect. And as the son of God, he knew you, he saw you, and he died for you that he went to the cross and he took the weight of sin upon his shoulders, that every single one of us, regardless of what we walk in here with tonight, we have messed up, we've sinned, we've fallen short, and that's okay. It's okay. We need to embrace that and also recognize that there's a savior who has died for you. And maybe tonight is the opportunity that you take to receive Jesus and what he's done and let your life be transformed by him. So now that every single one of us is on the same page here tonight, we've understood, we've heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Unfortunately, some of us will still leave here not believing in Jesus. And it's in that tension where the word of God is preached, the truth of who Jesus is is revealed, the secret is told, but yet some people still leave and they don't understand. Why? Why do some accept Jesus and the transformation he brings while others don't? With that in mind, you have a Bible, open up to Mark 4. Otherwise, behind me, they're going to put the parable on the screen. Starting in verse 1, it says, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and he sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. In his teaching, he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Sem fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear much grain. 
Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. Verse 10, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God, sounds kind of familiar, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. They may be ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. So right off the bat, I've read you 12 verses. And I want to explain a little bit of this to you. That Jesus has just plainly told us a parable, a story. And in this parable, he has told us there are four soils. And now this time for some group participation. Because I need you to repeat after me. The first one is the path. The path. The second one is the rocks. The rocks. Then it's the thorns. The thorns. Finally, it's the good soil. The good soil. And in each and every one of these different soils, when a seed is spread on it, when the soil is, it has a seed land on it, something different happens. And he's going to explain what that means. But before he does that, he takes this quick detour. That in verse 10, this group of people labeled the 12 and, the, 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 the 12 and others came to him. And they started to ask him questions about the very story he told. And they don't understand. Some, sometimes we can call this group of people the disciples. That the disciples were people who had devoted their lives to Jesus. They were following him everywhere. They were soaking up his teaching any chance they could. They were actually teaching others about Jesus. And it's this group of people who comes to Jesus and they're like, bro, we do not get it. That's my language. But they say something like that. They're like, we don't understand. And you have to kind of empathize with them because it's a little confusing. They have dedicated their lives to following this guy. And this semi-weirdo seems to be walking around telling stories nobody understands. Right? They want Jesus to become famous. They want people to understand his teachings. So they want him to just say it straight. Like, Jesus, if you have a point that you want us to do, just say it. Stop telling these crazy stories. But when they say that to him, and when they ask him for clarity, he responds like this. I'll read it to you again in verse 11. It says, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others, everything is said in parables. And here he begins to explain why he uses parables. But that's the frustration of the disciples. They don't really understand the importance of these stories. But Jesus is trying to get them to see that these stories are important because they contain secrets of the kingdom. One scholar described this secret knowledge, the information semi-encoded within Jesus' parables, as secret only because not everyone knows it yet. That Jesus' heart is for all of us to be involved in the secrets of his kingdom. That today, as we sit in this room, because of the cross and the resurrection, because of the Holy Spirit and the power within us, we can open up God's word when we can do a series like Secrets of the Kingdom. Because it has been revealed to us. We can learn and know what God's kingdom is like. But at this time, Jesus told parables as a way of filtering his following. He could have just told them straight. He could have laid it down and just told them exactly what was going on, but instead he told these stories. And I want us to remember back to verse 1. When you flip back to verse 1, if you have it in your Bible, otherwise just picture this with me. There was a crowd, so large is what the text describes it as. Scholars will kind of debate on how big it is, but it's probably about a couple thousand. That a couple thousand people are hungry to hear from Jesus, and so they're crowding in. That they're actually pushing so close to get close to what he's, see, to, to what he's hearing, that he is pushed out onto the water. He has to stand on a boat and preach to the people because there's no room on that left on the shore. You can see people almost getting pushed into the water as they're trying to get closer to Jesus to hear what he's saying. 
And it's to those thousands of people that I kind of innocently assume that they're all there for good reasons, right? They're all there to hear what Jesus has to say about the kingdom of God. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. That a lot of people in this time, they were coming to try to get close to Jesus because they thought if he rose in popularity, they could rise in power. That if he got success, maybe they could get status. That if he built a kingdom, maybe they could rule. And they didn't want the kingdom of God. They wanted what the kingdom of God could give them. So Jesus tells these parables, these confusing stories that have secret knowledge in them as a way of filtering his following. Because imagine this for a second. You're uh, early, I mean, anywhere between 30 and 33 AD person. You're way back. You're in Israel. You're walking around. You find this guy in the desert that everybody's talking about. He's all over social media. Thank you. That was a couple of pity laughs. He's all over social media. This guy is blowing up. He's super influencer, whatever. And he is preaching. And everybody's, you've got to check this Jesus guy out. And so you go and you, you crowd up and you're like, whoa, there are a lot of people there. And you're kind of getting sardined in and you're getting pushed in the water a little bit. And he starts telling this story. And you're like, I didn't get that. So then you back up a little bit and you, you keep following him, whatever, whatever. He tells another story and you're like, yo, that one didn't make any sense either. So then you keep following and you're okay, I'll trust him, I'll trust him, whatever. And you keep following but you know what? That one didn't make any sense either. And all of a sudden, three, four days, you're into this journey and you've consistently followed this guy, but not once has he said anything that makes any sense to you. But your motive to be there was just to kind of check it out, just to see maybe if you're interested in it, to see if he has anything in it for you. Maybe you could glean a little bit off of his success. And it's in that person where they'd probably be like, you know what? I'm done with Jesus. This guy's not making any sense. But to the disciples who the secret of the kingdom of God had been revealed, they were in it for the kingdom. And so when Jesus tells another crazy story, they lean in and they say, what are you talking about? When he tells another story they don't understand, another parable comes out, another group of people leaves, they pull him in and they're like, Jesus, this story thing, it's not really working, just tell us what you mean. And Jesus says, I'm filtering my following. He only wants people who are all in on the kingdom of God. That's what he's doing here. And so he tells this parable. And as he explains it to these people who don't really understand it, that's where we're going to pick up the text again. So starting in verse 13, here's what Jesus says. Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. I'm going to pause right there. Already he's given us a couple big ideas. That the first thing he wants us to know is that the farmer sows. I've got some seeds up here. These are sunflower seeds from my kitchen. Uh, but the farmer sows the seed. So his job, purpose, passion, calling, his whole life, he's just sowing seed. This is what this guy does. He just walks through the field and he spreads seed. That is what the farmer does. That is his vocation. Everything he's been created to do is just, he's just sowing seed. That's what he does, right? It's that simple. The farmer sows seed. But then the text tells us the seed is the word of God. The seed is the truth of God. And so now we start to see it in a different lens. Because at first it was just a farmer. I mean, some of us maybe can relate to that. But now it's taken this broader view that he's not just sowing any normal seed, but instead he's sowing seed of the word, seed of truth. And it's with that in mind we can start to look back at the text. And we can look at this context some 2,000 years ago and we can ask the question, who is the farmer? Who is the farmer of the text? Sunday school answer, it's Jesus. Nice, good job. It is Jesus. Because you can see him, he's standing on the boat. 
talking to all these thousands of people. And what is he telling them? The word. He's telling them the truth. He's saying, this is who I am. I am the son of God. I have come to do this thing to reveal my kingdom. He's telling them the truth. But if we understand Jesus at the far, as the farmer, we can take that same context and we can reel it back into today. And I can ask you a very similar question. That in our context, maybe even here tonight, who's the farmer? Is this my boat? Are you all out on the shore? Am I preaching the word of God? Am I the farmer? Jaina had her fancy guitar up here doing all the cool things that I can't do because I'm so bad at music and she's leading us in worship. Is she the farmer? Or maybe can we conjecture for a second and understand us as the farmer? Because the same mission Jesus is on as Christians, that word meaning little Christs, we join him in that mission. And so you and I, we are the farmer. Our calling, our purpose, our passion, our mission, our vocation is to spread the word of God everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. And we need to understand that because it's with that insight that we can start to look at the first soil. So verse 15. Some people are like seed sown along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So we have to remember there's no tractors at this time. They have no John Deere's, no nothing like that. It's like 30 AD. So the farmer would have just walked the path. Every single day he would have walked the path and he would spread seed and he would have spread seed. And by, by a byproduct, it's just him being who he's supposed to be. The farmer sows seed. Some of it was bound to fall on the path. Like it wasn't really his job to, to individually put seed in certain spaces. He just threw it. He just let it go wherever it needed to go. And some of it by a byproduct fell on the path. And these paths would have been carved through the fields as the farmers repeatedly walked over it to pack in the dirt and the clay. And so as he throws it on there, essentially what happens is the birds would have come along and and ate ate it up. So when you throw it on there, the birds come and it's gone. Anybody ever gone to like a pond and you had the, the bread or the seeds and you throw it and it's like mass chaos as every bird swarms in as if they're dying for food and then you blink and it's gone? That's what Jesus is describing. The farmer sows the seed but the birds come and they, they, they wipe it out. And then instantly, he turns around as he's explaining the parable and he takes that metaphor of what was the birds and he tags in the name Satan. That all of a sudden the word is sown, the seed is spread, but there goes Satan. He's wiping it out. And what happens here is the first soil of the path represents people with hearts that are hardened to Christ. Let me translate it for you today. Most of us in our lives, we have friends, family, coworkers, classmates, fill in the blank. People in your life who don't know who Jesus is. As the farmer, what's your job? Sow the seed. So you tell them, hey man, Jesus loves you. And they come up, you still believe in that stupid Jesus guy? (laughs) Come on, how lame are you? So you sowed it, but they weren't about it. And then you come up to them again, it's like, hey, God is good. Like, are you serious? Have you checked the news lately? People are dying. There's disease and famine and war and sexism and and racism. There is no good God out there. And you say, hey, Jesus died for you. It's like, I'm not a sinner. Are you trying to insult me? Are you serious? And all of a sudden, as quickly as the seed hit the path, it was gone. Satan, hard hearts, walls that people build up, leave no room for the gospel to cut in. There is no crack for the gospel to start to pierce in there in the hard heart. And so we pray for those people and we ask God to soften their hearts. Second soil, 
Verse 16. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution come because of the word, they quickly fall away. Same scenario, farmer walking along the path, he's doing what farmers do, you know, spreading the seed. You guys are catching on now. So he's throwing the seed everywhere it goes, and as a byproduct, some lands on the path, and that's gone instantly. We get that. But some lands right along the path. You know, the place where the farmers have walked a little bit, but not a ton, so it's not quite as packed down yet. There's maybe some loose rocks, some gravel in there, and there's totally some topsoil. So it's in that place where the farmer starts to sow some seed. And as he sows seed, Jesus describes us that instantly there's a plot, there's a plant. Something grows there. There's topsoil, right? So the plant is able to, to come up. There's, there's, some, there's some hope there. There's some growth there. The farmer would be ecstatic about this. He's excited. You know, he comes home. He tells his wife. He tells his kids, I, I got one. Something grew today. Grew in the rocks. But Jesus tells us, as quickly as it grew, it disappeared. As quickly as it grew in the rocks, it was gone. And the second soil of the rocks represents people who failed to put down roots in Christ. Unfortunately, this is something I see at Oasis all the time. All the time. It breaks my heart. Because we're there on Sunday night and we're like, yo, the vibes. It's so nice Sunday night, 8 p.m. You know, I go, I get my little Jesus fix. And then we do whatever we want with the rest of our lives. Or we came and we're like, the worship was banging. It was so good. The message, you know, he's a little weird, but the message was pretty good this week. And we leave and we're excited. There's fruit, there's growth, there's something there. Something is growing. But then life hits and homework gets hard and work gets stressful and my friends stop coming with me and as quickly as the plant spread it up, it's gone. It's that quick and I see it all the time at Oasis. It breaks my heart. Then there's the third soil. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and they choke the word, making it unfruitful. Same scenario, I got my cup of seed, I'm a farmer, and I'm doing what? Sowing seed, all right, we're getting it now. So I'm sowing seed, sowing seed, and all of a sudden I throw some among the thorns. And this soil is tricky, because the first two we got, it was instant, right? The birds came, Satan came, swept it away. It grew a little bit, but then it disappeared right when trouble or persecution hit. That's what happened over here, but this one's tricky, because this one's slower. You know, because there's seed sown, and something sprouts up. And again, you're excited, right? There's growth there. There's promise there. Things are going well. You came to worship. You came back to worship. You came to worship again. You joined a small group. You were in community. Things were going great. But the problem with the third soil is it's not usually the relationship with Jesus that's the struggle. Sometimes the problem is just our relationship with everything else. Look at how the text describes the choking of the plant. Right, do you see that word choking? I think that's so fascinating. Because while these two were fast, this one's slow. That if you've looked at weeds, if you've, you've studied weeds, if we threw back up my pictures of my poor plant skills, you would see at the base of those plants, weeds grow. And the reason they grow there is because weeds steal the nutrients from the plant. It's the same thing that they need. And as they steal that nutrients, the weed grows stronger. And as the weed grows stronger, it steals more and more. And unless it's dealt with, it dies. That the plant can't thrive among the weeds. 
And so we see it here. Things are going well. Sowed the seed, plant sprouted out. But you know what? Ah, school's pretty busy this week. That diploma, yes, I graduated from SDSU. This is actually mine. Common economic, or economics and communication studies. But, you know, school's important to me. And at the same time, I'm trying to work, so I gotta make that money. And like a social life, you know, like I wanna be active in my social life. And so we, we got this going right here. And you know what? Physical health is really important to me. And I, I, I'm on board with physical health. So I'm going running a couple times a week. And then fantasy football, Sunday nights, you know, college football, go Jacks. And so I gotta get that in there. It's going good with that. And you know, you gotta have your leisure time, so you got your Netflix, squeak that in there. Yep, things are still going good here. And then you got, you know, a little bit of reading, you know, we're not, we're not watching Netflix all the time, things are going good there. But, I mean, I only live one life, so YOLO, and we're gonna do some traveling right up in there. And then, I love this one the best. You got your romance. Because <laughs> you met a cute guy, and I know he doesn't go to church, but maybe someday he'll come to church with me. <laughs> And wait a second, the plant's still in there, right? The plant didn't get swept away, it just didn't disappear, just everything else choked it out. And I have people come to me and they say, you know what, I've been following Jesus three, four, five years, but my life's not really changing. And too often when I sit them down on the other side of the table, we start to look at their life and it's because this is happening. And I have to tell them this hard truth. I don't think the relationship with Jesus is your problem. I think it's everything else. And so we start to walk through it and they explain these things to me. These things matter and I would get on board with most of these things. You need rest and, and you need to, to have fun and you need to pursue Jesus and you should have school degree and you should make money. Those are good things. But the problem is priorities, people. Right? Jesus just became another thing on the list for your week to do. And when Jesus is just another thing on your list, not at the top of your list, it goes poorly. Jesus needs to be number one and everything falls under that. Finally, are you ready for some good news? I think we're ready for some good news. Verse 20, others like seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. I wanna tell you there is good soil out there that maybe it's only one of the four listed here, but there is good soil. And Jesus describes to us what happens when a seed lands on good soil. And so for here, let me move my wife's running shoe. <laughs> the seed is sown. And all of a sudden, a plant sparks up. It's like, yes, it's good, it's again. But that person, they put roots down. That person, they join a group. That person, they come to worship every week. That person, Monday through Saturday, they actually read their Bible. That person, prayer is an actual part of their life. That person, Jesus matters more than just the thing on their list. And so what was a little plant puts down roots and it grows. And the fourth soil is good soil because it, ta it takes the word and it puts down roots, it grows, and it transforms a person's life. That is the good soil. But it doesn't even stop there. It's so beautiful because this big plant starts to get other little plants excited about Jesus. This big plant starts to sow to other people. It's like, ooh, yeah. And there's, so there's other people getting involved in the mission of Jesus. So it's not even this one plant. This one plant started from the little plant. Tonight you might be in here and you're like, you know what, I'm just trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. I'm telling you, tonight you could leave as a little plant. Tonight, the seed, the truth of God, the gospel message could land on good soil. But you can't stop here. 
Jesus has asked us, he's commanded us, he's led us to become big plants, to become people who partner with him in mission and start to spread seed to other people. And I could leave it right there because that is the secret of the kingdom. We ask ourselves the question, why do some believe? Why are some transformed and others aren't? That when the word is spoken, there are four types of soil. I'm going to make you participate again. The first one is what? The path. The path. Then we've got the rocks. The rocks. The thorns. The good soil. And praise God, there's good soil in each and every one of these. There's good soil there. Let me rephrase. There's good soil there. But in each and every one of these, there's things that happen, whether it's Satan, persecution, hardship, life, or whether it's just everything else. And I've been praying over these last three months as I looked at this day, I've been praying that we all would be good soil. That not only tonight, but through this series and through this year, I am praying that we would be people who would receive God's word and go and tell other people about who God is. I'm praying that, but I'm also remembering that we're not just soil. If we scaled back a little bit, we would remember we are the sowers. We are the people who spread the truth of Christ. It is that simple, yet that important. That as the sower, I love in the story that God or Jesus, they don't, they don't chastise the sower for spreading seed super haphazardly. Like if I'm investing in this farm, I'm like, dude, put the seed on the good soil. But he's just throwing it everywhere. This is what farmers do. Because the farmer understands, and I think we need to understand tonight, that our job is to what? Sow seed. It's God's job to take care of soil. If you noticed as I was preaching through this, I didn't spend a ton of time telling you how to be good soil. That's because there's no gimmick. There's no trick. I want you to be good soil tonight, and so I prayed you to be. That's God's job. If you want to be good soil, ask him to be good soil. Otherwise, our purpose as sowers is to focus on spreading the word and trust God to take care of the rest. That as you walked in here tonight, now feel free to come up, team. As you walked in here tonight, you got two cards. One of them is your connection card. I'd love if you filled that out. But if you don't, that's fine too. The second one I'm really passionate about. Because that second card is an invitation into kickoff. All of you here tonight have understood a little bit of what Oasis is about. And so really, you don't need an invitation card. You got the message. But in here tonight, there's something like, I don't know, let's ballpark it, 350, 400 people. And I will say three-fourths of you are college students. So let's say there's 300 college students in here. Do you know there's something close to 10,000 college students at SDSU? 10,000. And my heart breaks, like I think the father's heart breaks, that somewhere close to 9,700 of his students maybe don't know who he is. And so I tell you, let's sow some seed. Let's take the cards. Let's invite people into community, into relationship, into a place where I believe God works really powerfully. But let's not stop there. I love the cards. I'm passionate about kickoff. I would, it would make my whole year if this room was packed to the brims next week for kickoff. But you know what I would like a whole lot more? Is when you hand someone a card, you start to have a conversation. And you say, hey, this is a card into Oasis. They're a college and young adult ministry. 
but it's because of Jesus that's there that I want you to be a part of it. This Jesus guy, he changed my life. This Jesus guy, he means everything to me. This Jesus guy, he loves you. Can we go and have conversations like that this week? That yeah, I'm excited about cards, I'm excited about kickoff, but I'm a whole lot excited, more excited about heaven. And I want everyone there. So this week as you take them, there's a bunch of extra ones on the, the, the table out there if you want more cards, but be bold. I've heard so many stories over the last year of people who received cards, people who found cards on floors, people who found cards all over the place and came in and pursued relationship with Jesus. People who had conversations about who Jesus was because they handed out a card. Man, I love it. Let's be those people this week. Let's be the farmer to sow the seed. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you tonight for the opportunity to worship you. That not only worship you through music, but through your word. And Mark 4 is such a beautiful text where Jesus tells this confusing story, but when we open it up, when we see this secret that's revealed about the kingdom in there, man, it's good. And I pray that we would be people with good soil, hearts that are rooted and established in who you want us to be, that we would be people who accept the truth of who you are, that we grow in your grace, God, that we become the people you've asked us to be and we would invite others into relationship. That's what it means. That's what it's about. It's our purpose. God, and I pray as these cards go, as these people go, that one, people are just passionate about Jesus. And they're so passionate, God, that they, they, they get bold in their classrooms, they get bold in their workplaces, they get bold in their families and in their friend groups, and they hand out cards. But even more than that, Father, I pray that cards become seeds into gospel conversations, where the transformation you have given to us, you have done in us, and you want to do in them, would start to unfold. Would you do that this week, by your grace and by your goodness? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.